Absolutely incredible, isn't it? Thank you, Karina. We appreciate that as we enter into this time of worship. We are grateful for that wonderful song, that wonderful uh, words of hope that we heard in that song, and we appreciate the way in which he was able to sing it. We welcome you to Roseville Baptist Church as we come to worship the Lord again. I'm not sure how many weeks it's been since um, <clears throat> we haven't had regular church, but it's, it's I think, about 14 weeks and we're glad that you have joined us again, those again who are part of this church and part of this community, those who are going to other churches and part of other communities and maybe listening even from far off. We are delighted and glad that you are with us this morning as we come to worship the Lord together. And we hope that you feel the very presence of God in the place that you're worshiping, that God speaks to your heart where you are, you and your family and that we uh, feel his presence in our life, and he changes our life, that we're transformed as a result of this service this morning. Well, let me just mention a couple people uh, before we go to the Lord in prayer. I hope that you are able to view <coughs> the prayer list that is on our website, rosalbaptistchurch.org, and uh, also other information that is there. And please, we're going to start putting the order of service in there so that you can view that beforehand. And I think you saw this morning, if you got on early, that uh, the order of service that we had already on the screen. So we invite you to, to go and look at uh, our website. And uh, Chris is always encouraging our children to, to look there for uh, things that they can use uh, that will continue to educate them and help them uh, to grow in their faith. Uh, but I want to mention those who are on our prayer list that are sick, and I hope you uh, call each one of them by name and that you pray for them regularly. And I, I won't try to mention all of them, but we have probably five or six uh, individuals in our church, present tense, uh, that are having some form of chemotherapy or uh, something to help uh, quieten their cancer. So we pray for them. They're at different places and stages. 
but we pray that the Lord would heal them, that uh, the doctors and nurses that are involved in their cases would uh, help to make them better. But I do want to mention uh, that uh, Leslie McLemore, who has been a longtime member of this church, passed away this past week, and his service will be a private ceremony at First Baptist Church uh, there in Henderson, North Carolina. So be in prayer for that family and the loss of Leslie. He was in the nursing care facility when he passed away. Also like to mention that Phil Vogel's sister, Mary, who lives in Dallas, Texas, that she passed away this past week too. And so be in prayer for that family and particularly for Phil as he is here in North Carolina and won't be able to go uh, to Texas, but we lift them up in prayer. And you may have a special prayer request this morning yourself. And where you are, we just pray that during our time of prayer that you would lift that up to the Lord and the Lord would hear that prayer and answer that prayer. We pray in this service today uh, that we're able to submit and surrender ourselves to the Lord, that he would be able to know our hearts and our spirit uh, as we go to him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, what an honor and a privilege and opportunity it is to be able to worship again. We thank you, Father, for those who are participants here and for those who are able to view and be participants where you are. We pray that the Almighty God would enter our lives and that you would change and transform us into your own image. And Lord, we have so many that are on our prayer list that are hurting and suffering and going through difficult days, and we pray uh, for those who are receiving treatments and some who have been in and out of the hospital that you would heal them today. We pray not only for physical healing, but those who are going uh, through this time in our country. We pray, Father, with the virus that you would uh, certainly minister to those uh, in an emotional and mental spiritual way. We know that we have uh, deep unrest and unsettling in our country, and we know uh, that we have... Um, a division, we pray, Father, that you would unify us and that you would bring us all into the fold and help us to know that we're all a part of the kingdom of God. We're all your children. And we pray, Father, that you be with those families who have lost loved ones. It hurts us when we lose somebody that's close to us. And even though we know that their health is failing when they actually passed, it leaves a major hole in our hearts. We pray that you would patch that up and mend that and restore us into our own salvation. Lord, we pray that all that we do today in this service would not be for any vain glory, but rather for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we make that prayer in his name and for his sake. Amen. Good morning, church. Isaiah 41, verse 10 tells us not to fear, for God is with us. He will strengthen, help, and us uphold us if only we will surrender to him. Please sing with me this morning, I Surrender All. i 
blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender, make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel thy Holy Spirit, truly know that thou art mine. I surrender. say a special welcome, <clears throat> excuse me, to all the children who are watching with us this morning. I'm so glad that you're watching along with us, and I'll remind you, especially parents, that if you look on Facebook on our Rollsville Baptist Children's Ministry Facebook page, uh, you'll see our children's worship bulletin for this morning. And you'll notice also, I've got some special friends with me this morning. Uh, this week, someone told me that they were enjoying our children's sermons but that I needed a little audience with me, and so I brought along R2 and Yoda and Chewie with me this morning. So uh, we've got an audience here. More importantly, though, you'll also notice that I've got a flower with me, a whole pot with several flowers, and you can see it's a beautiful bunch of flowers. This is actually my wife Sarah's uh, flowers. Uh, she got this for her birthday this year. And I've got a story that goes along with these flowers. You see, about two, two and a half weeks ago, we were sitting on the back deck at our house, and we were looking at these flowers, and this bright orange flower, if you can believe it, it was sad, droopy, withered, bending over. It did not look like it looks this morning at all. It looked like it was about to die. Well, fast forward these past two weeks, and uh, we've had a little bit more rain, we've had warmer weather, and all of a sudden, you see that this bright orange flower is alive and vibrant, and it gives me hope today, because it's what we're talking about this morning. You see, Jesus gives us hope for newness, new life new beginnings, and there's times in our lives when we think that there's problems that are too hard to solve, and there's sickness that's too bad to heal, and uh, things are too broken to be fixed, but we know that with God, all things are possible, and we know that through Jesus, we have new life, 
And we are promised a new creation. And we know that no matter how bad things seem now, and sometimes they seem pretty bad when we think about uh, the sickness that's going on right now, and we think about all the people that are, are upset about injustice right now, and we think about all the many things that are going on in our world, we think sometimes, man, this is just too hard to be solved and it's too broken to be fixed. But we know through Jesus and through his love for us, we know that there will be new life and newness, and we know that nothing is too broken for God to fix. So let's remember this morning that God offers us hope God offers us hope that no matter what, things will be made new and we'll have new life through Jesus. Let's pray and ask that God would give us that hope and help us to remember that things are never really that bad because we always have Jesus and the hope that comes through him. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your son Jesus and for his love for us and for his redemptive work for us. God, we pray that you would help us to remember to have hope because we know that nothing is ever broken beyond what you are able to fix, and you are always able to bring us new life. Help us to remember that and have hope in that. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you so much, uh, April and Karina and Allison. What a beautiful message, and certainly I hope that you can say amen to that and believe that in your heart as you hear those words. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, would like to follow along with me, I'll be reading from the last book in the New Testament, Revelation, in chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. And it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, nor mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they are true. <clears throat> May God bless the reading and the hearing and the understanding of his precious and holy word. I remember as we moved from Virginia in a church we were pastoring down to Oxford, North Carolina. I remember going there and we had just uh, a small amount of furniture. We had been uh, living there uh, in Virginia and we had uh, bought a house and was moving in that. And I remember in Oxford there were a lot of auctions uh, in those days, pe uh, people would pass and they would have family auctions, they would have uh, estate auctions and sell a lot of furniture. And so I went to, to one of those estate uh, auctions looking for some furniture, some used furniture, wouldn't have to put a lot of money in it. And, and so one of our church members had passed and I was there at the auction and there was a piece of furniture and it really did look rough. I mean, it was an old piece, you could tell it... Uh, was probably 30, 40, 50 years old at least at that time. And I noticed also that, uh, it, you know, all the stain had about gone. The varnish was off of it. And on top of it, it was really rough. Somebody looked like they had taken a piece of sandpaper and just gone around and around and around on top of it. And I was trying to envision what that might look like if maybe we could do something with it, but I was really looking for something, a chest of drawers that you could put some clothes in. Uh, almost afraid to buy it, I purchased that, took it home, and began to work on it, and it took a while as I began to put some more nails in it. It began to glue uh, some pieces of wood back together and sanded down the top and took all the old stain and varnish off and redid it. They never had done, redone a piece of furniture before. But it was amazing what it looked like, and I found out it was really an antique after it was all said and done. It was probably, uh, went all the way back to the 20s in terms of that piece of furniture. We still have that piece of furniture in our house. But it was amazing uh, the transformation that took place in this piece of furniture. I see these scriptures today as scriptures that can meet our needs and can turn our lives around. Behold, he says, I make all things new in one version. Wouldn't it be great today if the love of God in us 
would transform our lives into something new. Wouldn't it be great if we left listening to this service as a new person, that God had done a new work in our lives, that transformation had occurred, that we had received the Spirit of God in a marvelous way, and He had turned our lives around. Well, according to this passage of Scripture that we find in Revelation, God is in the business of making things new again. Isn't that good news for us this morning as we come to worship him? It's like the story of a man who was selling an old warehouse. The building had been empty for some time, and it needed some repairs. Gangs had damaged the doors and smashed the windows and thrown trash all through it. As he showed this piece of property to a prospective buyer, he took pains to tell him how he was going to get it fixed up and those broken windows that was going to be repaired and any structural damage that had occurred in this warehouse, he was going to get that taken care of and that he would uh, get the trash out of there. And after he made this long speech, the buyer smiled at him and said, forget those repairs. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building. I want the site. You see, God is dealing with the person, who you are today. He wants the site. He wants to start where we are and build up from there. At Lystra, there was a disabled man that could not use his feet. St. Paul, with whom he uh, was in his presence, gave him hope and new life. Paul looked intently at him and with a loud voice said, Stand upright on your feet. And he stood upright on his feet and he was able to walk. He gave him a new and improved life. Of course, Paul knew himself what it was like to become a new person. For we find Saul, the dread persecutor, became Paul, the dynamic preacher. New teachings, new life, new hope, new direction. That is what the gospel is all about. We can be new persons in Jesus Christ if we allow him to enter our lives this morning. We can have new life in Christ. Behold, he says again, I make all things new. What we need to hear is God's voice telling us just that, that he'll make all things new in our life. As someone put it, if we were the only person in the world, uh, Christ would still have come and died on our behalf. The late R. L. Middleton told about an Englishman who had a beautiful estate on the Yorkshire coast from which one could see a great distance in every direction. One day this man and his daughter climbed into a summit in the estate and the man was intending to teach his daughter a lesson and he said, look up and then he said, look down and then he said, uh, look out. Now turn around behind you, he told her. And then he added, Dorothy, just so high and so deep and so wide and so broad is the very love of God in you. And the little girl turned to her daddy and decided she'd teach him a lesson as well. And she said, Daddy, if God's love is so high and so wide and so deep and so broad, then are we not living in the very middle of it? We are today living in the very middle of God's love and the transformation that he wants to work out in our lives. What a difference it would make in your life and in my life if we truly believed that we were in the very middle of God's love. God's love, he cares about us, each one of us. 
I believe that we look at this passage, there's several things it says to me. Number one, God wants to make us new by becoming affirmers and balcony people. Now, we know what it's like to experience a lethal dose of poison of rejection. And we know what it's like to be injected with a healing antidote of affirmation. We all have experienced both of those things, haven't we? Paul and his many New Testament writers knew that we could soar to heights unknown on the wings of another's affirmation. And they also knew that their spirits could be quietened by the naysayers and those shooting arrows of criticism. So they spent considerable time in discussing how we are uh, to support, to love, and affirm one another. Why do we long for the approval and affirmation from those who influence and touch our lives? I believe that there are many people who have felt rejection, that they have felt being put down at birth, and may experience that all the way to the end of their lives. Our rejection comes sometimes from without. A lot of times it comes from without. But many times it also comes from within. We judge ourselves very harshly. Joyce Landruff Heatherly, in her book, Balcony People, I've been reading that in the last couple weeks again, and and reviewing that, I remembered a little bit about that, and I went back and read that. And uh, it's a wonderful little book to read. She talks about in the beginning of that book that uh, how she had experienced rejection sometimes in her life. And she was in an airport in San Francisco, and she decided she had a few minutes, so she would run in this little store, and she'd buy some cards. And she went in there and bought the cards, gave the money uh, to the lady. The lady gave her the change and immediately started waiting on the next customer and did not put her cards in a bag. And so Joyce was standing there. She saw another clerk behind uh, the counter there, and she motioned to her, I've already paid for these cards. Can I get a bag? She could see the bags. And the clerk behind the counter that had not waited on her but was looking at her looked at her really strange. And she said, I, I, I really need to put these cards in a bag. With a puzzled look, the clerk behind the counter shook her head no. And she said to her this, it's not my shift yet. And Joyce walked away from the counter and felt rejected by a stranger that she never had encountered before. Now, they, she said her family had a little fun with that. If somebody asked somebody to do something in the house, after that, for about two years, somebody say, it's not my shift yet. <laughs> and teenagers and kids, don't y'all do that to your parents because you heard the preacher say this this morning. But oftentimes, we can experience rejection from those that we've only known for a small amount of time and those we may have known from our whole lifetime, and even that rejection we feel inside ourselves. You see, Joyce says there are two kinds of people in the world, evaluators and affirmers. And we know each of those evaluators who have broken our hearts and judged us harshly and unfairly. We also know those affirmers in our life who have lifted us up and have healed us, have healed our hearts that have been broken 
with words of affirmation. If we are honest today, we probably remember the people who have judged us and evaluated us in a critical way more than we remember the affirmers. Many of us remember those who have pulled us down and have stepped on us with their spiked shoes and stomped all over our hearts and soul that lay bare. I hope you remember. And I hope you remember often those kind souls who have changed and lifted your opinion of yourself when you were downhearted. Those godly saints who have uh, seen potentiality and what God could do in and through you. They are called affirmers with a capital A, as Dick Vitale would say. Keith Miller talks about basement people, and he talks about balcony people. The basement people are those who pull us down with comments like, you're never going to amount to anything. They drop little hints that point out our faults and our flaws. They think you just don't ever measure up in life. To this day, you may be drowning in their critical and painful remarks. Hear me this morning. But then there are the balcony people. Those are the people that God likes. Those are the people that we need to be. Those are the people that we need to become. A group of people not just sitting there in their seats, but they're hanging over the rails, if you can imagine that. And they're cheering us on, and they're encouraging us, and they believe in us, and they have faith in us. You see, we have those balcony people in our lives, don't we? I hope you do. Some of them have passed on to be in glory with the Lord. And others are still living among us. They were and are united in inspiring us to be the people of God. They understand that we are all called to do a work and a mission and a ministry for Jesus Christ. And they encourage us to go forward with all the gusto we can. Who are those balcony people? We already know our basement people. We've given them far too much time and energy and power over our lives. One of those in the balcony, I hope you understand and realize this morning, is the Lord himself. He's there to give us support and encouragement. He's there to forgive us when we make mistakes. He's there to lift us up when we are discouraged. He believes in you. And he knows that you can do great things for the cause of Jesus Christ. Believe that. It is a time to focus on balcony people who are cheering us on and waving their arms for us to move forward with enthusiasm. It's time for us to become balcony people. For someone else in the kingdom of God just as we have been blessed and as we can recount that, we also need to know in our very heart, in our very spirit, in our very soul that God wants us to be a balcony person for somebody else or numerous people, not just in our family but in this world in which we're living in. We all need, every single one of us need that balcony person to come walk along beside us. Many people, friends and family, have been in the balcony for us. They are cheering and encouraging and supporting us 
as one of God's children. You see, our cloud of witnesses may not be a large group, but the number is not what always counts the most. What would we be without those people who are our balcony people? And I want to ask you this morning, what could somebody else possibly become if we were one of their balcony people cheering them on and encouraging them? It may be against your nature this morning to be an affirmer, to be a balcony person. But my prayer is that you would let God change your nature and your attitude and your spirit and that you would help make this world a better place. Wouldn't it be a wonderful legacy when we pass that somebody would come through the line and speak to your family and said, John or Mary or Sue or Fred made a difference in my life and they were an encourager, that they were an affirmer, that they were a balcony person in my life. I believe God calls us to do that work. God wants us to make us new again by becoming an affirmer and an encourager. Most importantly, he needs us to help others and to help him in the calls to reach the world for him. Now, I believe also this morning what a massive change would take place in our lives if we could have a new confidence, a confidence in ourselves and a confidence in God. What a difference it would be if we could wake up in the morning and truly say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it and do it with enthusiasm and with fervor and encouragement because we know that God has something for us to be about that day and we need to be excited about that. If we could live openly and honestly with the belief that he is with us. He may uh, fill those voids in our life where we feel inadequate. I think most of us in the world feel weaknesses. We feel like we come up short. We feel like that we don't measure up. We feel like that we're inadequate. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we allowed Jesus Christ to be our support and our rock and that he would fill in those gaps for us where we feel inadequate? Start each day with that positive affirmation that God is making me into a new person. He is with me, and he gives me a new confidence that we want to go further down the road with the Lord today than we did yesterday and the following day, and that we continue to grow in our faith and we continue to mature because we feel the Spirit of God living in us, and he changes us into new people. Also, I would say that God seeks to give us a new dream in making us new again. You know, to a great extent, we are shaped by our dreams and aspirations. Most people get out of life what they really desire to get out of it. The problem is in knowing ourselves well enough to know what it is that we really desire. Some of us need to reset and to redream again. I think about people who have musical abilities and people who want to be great musicians. But it's only a dream in their minds. They're not willing to put in time and effort and discipline and practice to become the kind of musician that they need. 
You see, what they really desire is just more time off and leisure. They learn that an excellent music teacher has moved to the town. It's a great opportunity. It might mean that they have to risk themselves somewhat, even risk failure. And yet they never make that call to that new music teacher in town because they're afraid they may be disappointed in what will take place. It's important in our lives, as we live out our lives, that we understand what our dreams are. How about you? What is your deepest desire? What is it that you're dreaming about today? And you may say, well, now, when I was younger, I had a lot of dreams, and I lost those dreams, or I accomplished some of those. Maybe it's time for each one of us, whatever station in life we may find ourselves, that we learn to dream again. We need to have that same dream that God is calling us forth to do. What is your deepest desire? What is your greatest dream? Wouldn't it be great if we could be liberated from our own inferior dreams? Sometimes we don't dream large enough, do we? Behold, he says, I make all things new again. Some of you, and it tells your age, may have watched that show, Hee Haw, I sometimes will see a rerun of that. It's an old country um, version of comedy and singing and, and uh, a lot of laughing if you watch that. Well, there was a lady on there, you may remember her name was Lulu Roman. Lulu was uh, always with the Gohane family on the, uh, sitting there, usually on the couch, and uh, she had a good voice too. You may not know about her. She grew up in an orphanage. Her greatest dream, though, was to be adopted and have a family who loved her. She says she remembers many a time sitting there in the closet crying her eyes out because another child had left the orphanage and it wasn't her. She wanted to go and be with the family and be a part of that family, too like she never had been able to do. But Lulu had a thyroid problem, and she was a heavy child, and because of her weight, she was even bullied by her own peers. But Lulu started taking drugs to escape her own pain and loneliness and rejection that she had experienced in her life. In fact, she was high on drugs when she auditioned for Hee Haw, and they brought her on, and Hee Haw began to be a tremendous success and then she realized the more success she had there, the more drugs she took, she had a real addiction problem. She got kicked off of the show, and she was told to go clean up her life. And at about the time she was kicked off the show, she realized that she was pregnant with child. She became bitter and angry uh, towards God, and she felt as though God didn't love her. Lulu's son uh, Damien was born with serious problems as it related to her drug addiction. And when the doctors came in the room and said Dan Damien uh, probably would not make it, she said she remembered lying there in the hospital trying to pray, but so mad at God she couldn't. She really didn't have anything to say to him. And then finally, she came up with these words, Yo, dude, if you're real, I'll make a deal with you. If you let me have my baby, then I'll straighten up and stop doing drugs, and I won't do anything except what you want me to do. 
A few days later, Damien's condition improved and Lulu was home from the hospital. She was hardly home until a friend, Diane, who had also been in the orphanage with her, came over and she told Lulu, she said, I, I'm a Christian. I've turned my life over to Christ and I'd like to share Christ with you. And Lulu said, just stop there. I don't want to hear that. And she said, no, hear me out. Please hear me out. She said, let me tell you that Jesus Christ is real. He's real to me. Let me tell you how he has changed my life. And Lulu did listen, and she prayed and received Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. And she says at that moment she found the love that she had been searching for her entire life. She instantly lost her desire for drugs, was invited back to be a part of Hee Haw's. They heard her story. And while she, her remaining days on there, she was a witness for Christ as we heard her sing and as we heard her comedy and as we heard her testimony about what Christ had done in her life. How his love and grace had given her a new life. We need to listen to the voice that seeks to encourage us and to remake us God wants to reshape us. He wants to reform us. He wants to make us into something better than we already are on this very day. Behold, I make all things new. That includes us. Become an affirmer, a balcony person. Allow God to give you a renewed confidence and to make new in you a new dream or maybe a dream again that you need to create that God would take hold of your life. Those of you who are listening, I don't even know who some of you are, but Christ knows you on this very day. And he wants to reshape your life and to remake your life. Maybe uh, at some point uh, you uh, would like to come to him and saying, I, I feel your presence and I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. Maybe this morning you, you made that initial decision and you don't know what's happened. You've just drifted away from God and you've, you've drifted away from all spirituality in the church and you feel lost. But Christ can come to you afresh again and make you new. Maybe you're a person who has lived faithfully for the Lord, but you've lost your enthusiasm and the joy of your salvation, and you pray this morning that God would come and unite in you a new spirit, a new dream, a new cause, a new purpose. What is it that God is telling you to do? How is God speaking to you this morning? May God bless you. Amen. And amen. Well, how delighted we are that you've been with us. And my prayer is that God would make you afresh and anew again on this day. I pray that God would use you in marvelous ways you never even imagined, maybe. Allow God to work in your life. Again, we at the church, our staff, we're available to talk to you, to converse with you correspond with you please let us know if we can assist you in any possible way we ask the lord to walk along beside you during these days we we have a lot of conflict we have a lot of troubles we have a lot of problems in our world we pray that jesus christ i believe this is spiritual warfare i believe that jesus christ is the answer 
Some of you are going through difficult things that nobody else even knows about. But the Lord understands it. Give them over to him. He hears your prayers. He hears your concerns. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, be our light in the midst of darkness. Be our compass when we are lost in the woods of this world. Lord, bring comfort to our hearts when we have discord. And where we feel conflict, quieten that, Lord, and bring your peace. We pray, O oh Lord, that each of us would march to the drum of the beat of the Spirit of the living God. And we pray, O oh Lord, that all that we do, that we would center our lives upon you. We thank you for this service today, and we thank you, O oh Lord, that we have been blessed by your Spirit. Give us direction. In the name of Christ, we make this prayer. Amen. Again, thank you for viewing with us today. Thank you for the positive and affirming uh, things that you have been able to do and say uh, for our people and our church. I'm just so uplifted by the way our people have reached out to one another during this time in which we've been away from the church. And I just pray that the Lord would find a way to use you. And as a result of being used, your life will be touched and blessed and somebody else's will be and we're able to lift up the name of Christ. God bless you until we're able to meet again. Jesus, you